You had such a good Thanksgiving message this morning. I won't try to compete with that one. <laughs> Not to say this doesn't doesn't cover some some similar material. <laughs> I find the Bible is so um, um, comprehensive in what it has to say. Uh, you don't get too far away from the subject of Christ anywhere you go in the Word of God. Um, Christocentric, I believe, is the title. The Word of God is Christocentric. It is centered upon Christ. So that is very good, and we can give thanks to the Lord for all His many revelations to us that He gives us through His Word. Reading in John chapter 6 and verse 15 through 21, fairly short passage, uh, but yet another miracle was Jesus has um, performed in his short time as uh, on the earth, as uh, revealing himself as the true Christ and the Messiah of God. Uh, so John chapter 6 verse 15, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when evening was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near unto the boat. And they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they went. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Loving Father, we do thank you. For the reading of the scriptures, we ask that you will bless it to our hearts, help us to see Jesus, and how that he is truly the Son of God and the Christ, the true Messiah, which was to come into the world. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we find that these many miracles which Jesus did were miracles which are very often called sign miracles whether it be the turning of the water into wine um, as uh, in Cana of Galilee, uh, the healing of the nobleman's son who comes to him, beseeching him that he might uh, save his son from a great fever, the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda who is waiting for some 38 years that he might be able to have someone help him into the pool, uh, that when an angel touched the waters, that uh, he might be healed. But as it turned out, Jesus came by and spoke the word, and he was made whole. And then, of course, the feeding of the 5,000, and which precedes this particular miracle here, and now this particular miracle of Jesus walking upon the sea. Uh, several areas we want to look at this afternoon. Jesus prevails to, the, to do the will of God over the will of man. See, man always thinks he has the answers and he wants to somehow intervene in God's plan and purposes 
and he would, uh, man would try to do his own will. But Jesus would have none of it. And we find that in this particular account, uh, um, he again withdraws himself away from the multitude because he knows what's in their hearts and what the purpose of their uh, acclaim to him would, would mean. And then we see uh, Jesus seeks a place alone that he might pray. And in this we realize that the solitude of prayer was something that Jesus often sought because uh, even though he is the Son of God, we find that he is veiled in human flesh. And he took upon him human flesh that he might be very man as well as very God. And that he might show himself to be um, completely victorious over sin that he himself would prove uh, to be the fulfillment of all righteousness and that he came to do the very will of God the Father. And so it was essential that he would uh, take every, um, every aspect of, of true faith and uh, demonstrate it unto others, especially to his own disciples, that they might see that he was truly the Son of God. And uh, so we find that he, call, he, he draws, withdraws himself to prayer. Uh, thirdly, Jesus sends the disciples away and takes a boat toward Capernaum. Um, and um, he actually does this. He constrains them to go away. Uh, he, wants to, he wants time to be alone with his Father in heaven. He, he wants his disciples to go um, unto Capernaum or unto that region uh, that he was sending them to. And uh, we find there are many applications here to why God sometimes um, sends us or constrains us to go and to do certain things that he might fulfill his own plan and purposes. Uh, we cannot do the purpose and plan of God ourselves. God must be the author of it, that it might be fulfilled the way he wants it done. And so he, he sends the disciples away, but then all for this purpose, that he would come to them. Um, Jesus, the I am. Uh, when he says, uh, it is I, be not afraid, the word I, of course, means I am. And uh, it's not just an identification for who he is. Um, it means he is truly the Lord of creation. I believe uh, Pastor Bo might have brought that out somewhere along the line this morning. And uh, you see how things always come together, even in the scripture, whether in Psalm 97 or in John chapter 6. Jesus is the I Am. He is, he is the God of creation. Um, and, uh, and we find that he walks to them upon the sea. And this, uh, of course, is a quite an amazing um, thing in our minds, uh, because uh, who can walk on water? Uh, we don't know of anybody who can do that. Uh, but God did it uh, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we have to examine that and, and see to what end uh, he did this. So these are some of the areas we're, we're going to be looking at uh, this afternoon. First of all, um, let's look at verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So the first thing we see here is Jesus prevails to do the will of God over the will of men. They would have taken him by force. And we find that man, in his own ambition, 
seeks to to manipulate the will of God, if you will. Um, and uh, so we find that the Jews were wanted to be out from under the yoke of Rome. Uh, they wanted to uh, throw off the Herod, Herod, King Herod, who was the kind of the puppet king of the Roman Empire for the region. And uh, they wanted to, again, have their own king. And uh, this is what it is talking about here. The multitude, they recognized that, the, that when he did the miracle of feeding the 5,000, certainly this was no normal individual. Um, this was someone who could be a leader in their own nation. A man does not see things in the same way that God uh, wants us to see them many times. You know, they, they, they saw Jesus as, a, as an ideal leader, but they didn't see him truly as the Son of God. If they did, if they would have, then they would have just hailed him as true Messiah of God, and they would have sought him in the true sense of the Scripture uh, and the revelation of it. But they didn't. Rather, they sought him out and wanted to force him to become a king. And uh, he did not. Have, he would have none of it. And I think that's important for us to realize. If we're going to do the will of God, we must always seek that will which is of God. And we cannot follow the will of man. Uh, though, though man's will sometimes is very good in a sense, or very humanistic, or very philanthropic, or any kind of a word that you want to put to it, which is full of the charity of the world, yet... It is not the will of God unless God is behind it. And God was not behind Jesus becoming an earthly king, an earthly potentate, an earthly ruler. Uh, God was not behind that uh, in these people. Uh, rather, uh, and we should take note too, that God would not fulfill the idea of Jesus being king of kings and lord of lords through human agency. It would be only through divine agency that God would fulfill any future prophecies concerning Christ. Um, and so um, he, he must withdraw himself. Um, and uh, that's important that we take note of that, that he must withdraw himself. Uh, and he did. So he departed again into a mountain by himself. Or, as I said here, Jesus seeks a place alone that he might pray. Um, and so uh, he... He's, he goes up into the mountain to pray and uh, that he might have time with the Lord. Now, each one of the Gospels has some account of this particular miracle, of course. Um, Matthew 14 has uh, also an account of this. And straightway, Jesus uh, constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sends the multitude away. So Jesus sends his, uh, his disciples uh, to go away from him. Jesus sends the multitude away from him, and he wants to go up into um, a secluded place that he might, might pray. And we find that Mark in chapter 6 and 44, uh, 45 and 46 says, And straightway uh, he constrained the disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. 
while he sent away the people. Now you'll notice that in Mark calls it Bethsaida. Here in John he calls it Capernaum. Um, and we find that these two locations were not that far away from one another. Um, and so we find that each one of them have a little bit rendition here of the exact uh, location and everything of where things would take place. And so in John chapter 6 and verse 17, and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. So uh, each one of these have their own um, emphasis, as it were, to show how that he was withdrawing from the disciples, he was withdrawing from the multitude, and at the same time, uh, sending the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it is good for us too, isn't it, that we might withdraw from other people to pray. You ever notice how difficult it is sometimes to find time to pray? Because it seems like there's so many people around us. Uh, and uh, we need the time, we need the, t- the quiet time. A time to get our thoughts together, a time to allow our spirit to uh, become acquainted with the whole idea of settling down for prayer. And the time to think on the kinds of things that the Lord would have us to bring before him. Um, All of these things are sometimes uh, a little bit complicated when it comes to, to withdrawing to pray. Uh, in our very busy society, there's so many things that want our attention um, that if you can find the time to isolate yourself, it is good to do so. And as uh, I'm sure Pastor Bo can, can say, and myself, and anyone who's in the ministry, and I'm sure you yourself have said the same thing many times, uh, it's hard to find time to get along. And sometimes you kind of um, smile when the other person who's commonly with you is not there. So you can just be alone for a little while. And uh, it may appear to be kind of selfish uh, in a sense, but it really isn't. Because everybody needs some time of personal uh, prayer and reflection and quietness that they might be able to focus in on what it is that God wants us to to do, either today or in the future. And of course, Jesus, he had much ahead of him, didn't he? He wanted to take time to talk to the Father who was in heaven and to pray through these various things. And we find out that um, Jesus is not without particular communication with his own disciples, even during these times. Uh, He's kind of got his eye on them. Uh, Even in this particular miracle, it seems that he is at an elevated location and he can view their progress as they take their small ship and go across the Sea of Galilee. One of the kind of topographical facts about the Sea of Galilee, it was supposed to be uh, six miles uh, in width, and 16 miles in length. And so this is a quite a big lake, if you will, a land lake. Um, 
as these larger bodies of waters were called seas then, um, we find that this was actually a lake. It was a huge one. And, it, and because it was so, so big, uh, you know, it was subject to the weather and the conditions of the day, whatever they might be. And as we, as we know, partic- particularly later, there, was, there comes up a great storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples are caught in it. And so we find that uh, the worldly wisdom uh, would have declared Jesus as king right then and there. But that wasn't God's plan. No, it, it was God's plan that he might go to the cross and to suffer for the sins of the world. It was God's plan that he might take upon himself the full suffering of the Savior, that he might fulfill the plan of redemption, and that he would go through the various humiliation to which the Word of God said that he would suffer, and that God himself would even turn his face away from his uh, only begotten Son. Uh, And so we find that uh, God's plan of redemption meant that Jesus would withdraw himself again and would wait upon the will of the Father. In verse 16, we find here, um, And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. But as I noted to you earlier, uh, the other Gospels said that Jesus constrained them to go. Um, So they didn't just go because they said, oh, well, I guess we'll just take off and go down to the sea and take a little boat, go across the, the, the Sea of Galilee. Um, no, Jesus sent them away. Uh, and remember, they are disciples to the master teacher, the one who was teaching them, the one who was uh, training them up to be an apostle of Christ. And so he sends them away. They have many things to learn from him. Uh, We have many things to learn from Jesus. Why does he sometimes isolate us from him? Why is it sometimes we find ourselves um, seemingly going in a different direction than what we think we should be doing? And what about ministry? We often... Uh, just constantly waiting upon the Lord, asking him what we are to do next and, and what particular goals we should have. And uh, we find that as we serve the Lord, there is no particular book which says, oh, this is the thing you've got to do now. Uh, you, you're constantly waiting upon Jesus and faithfully serving where we are but yet at the same time looking for the Lord to instruct us in greater things, in things yet to be. And uh, we find the disciples were very much in this flux, if you will. Um, And uh, as we saw in the last particular miracle that uh, Philip was given that particular particular test of of, um, where would they come up with the food to feed such a large multitude of people? Uh, and uh, he couldn't quite figure that one out and uh, it took a little boy and his lunch to show Philip what Jesus could actually do 
And so here now we find that uh, uh, the disciples have been sent away. Uh, verse 16, And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum, or Bethesda, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come unto them. And so the text tells us that Jesus wasn't there with them. He wasn't there. And so Jesus sends his disciples away, and they take the boat to go to uh, Capernaum or that region of Bethsaida. And then we find that in the narrative um, it gets much more interesting. Um, they, the wind begins to blow and a storm begins to come and, and uh, it rises up on the sea and it causes a great deal of problems to them on the Sea of Galilee, verse 18, and the sea rose by reason of a great wind that blew. Now, just where did this wind come from? Well, the Lord is the Lord of the of the wind and the waves. Possibly, the Lord orchestrated that wind for a reason, um, and or maybe it was just a natural course of providential events. We aren't told. We aren't told that. But we are told that there was a great wind. Um, the great winds of life sometimes overtake us, the storms of life, that is, when we find ourselves in the midst of a calm situation, and then all of a sudden it's no longer calm anymore, and there is, seems to be a lot more turmoil than we like to handle. And uh, those kinds of circumstances uh, have a way of just showing up. Uh, and we don't have any control over them. And when we think about the wind and the waves of the Sea of Galilee, certainly that was the, the unknown question. Just what would they encounter when they're, when they're going across the Sea of Galilee, a lake that is six miles wide? Now, it's, it is um, said that they were about 20 or 30 furlongs out into the sea, verse 19. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the water. So uh, this was about four miles, believed to be about four miles that they might have been out into the, the Sea of Galilee when this, uh, this great uh, wind uh, began to be stirred up around them. And so the, uh, we, we find that they're now in, the, they're, they're in some trouble, uh, obviously. And we find that at any time when, when we're in trouble, when we're going through a difficult time, when we find that circumstances have, have overtaken us, when we find that uh, the way does not seem very good going forward, just what are we going to do? And uh, in this particular case, now remember, Jesus is uh, you know, in prayer, and uh, he comes to them walking upon the sea, but is considered to be somewhere in, in the early morning hours when he comes. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near unto the boat, and they were afraid. So it's, I believe it is called the fourth watch of the night or something like that in one of the other particular accounts. 
and uh, as they uh, are overtaken by these this great storm and the wind and the waves, we find that Jesus comes nigh unto the ship. He begins to walk to them upon the water. And in verse 20, But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. So the, uh, the walking of Jesus upon the water um, is part of his witness to them as the Messiah of God. Um, this makes me think that, well, he might have just orchestrated this wind too. If he, if he was able to uh, uh, be the authority over the wind and the waves and over the ocean itself and over creation, which he, of course, is, being the Son of God, um, then he may have brought that wind along just for this particular reason. And which leads us to believe that, well, maybe it is that God brings along certain circumstances in our lives at times. That he might be there to teach us what it means to trust in him and to wait upon him. Because we have many circumstances that come up. And we don't have a crystal ball, of course, and, and uh, um, that being a very... I suppose worldly secular the way to look at it we we don't know what the future holds we don't know just why it is that some of the things transpire the way they do and certainly the disciples at this time were probably very much wondering um, you know why these things were happening to them so when they had rode this period of time and out into the lake about 20 or 30 furlongs maybe about four miles they see Jesus walking on the sea. Now, of course, this would be rather unsettling. Um, we know that uh, sometimes people think, you know, well, maybe it's an apparition. Maybe it's a, a, a spirit or a ghost or something that I'm seeing. Um, and, you know, there are different, of course, stories about apparitions that kind of go around. But wherever we, wherever we see Jesus, we find the concrete concerning the will and purpose of God. And Jesus uh, is here establishing something concrete concerning himself. That he is the Son of God, that he is the true Christ, that he is the Messiah. Yes, he can heal an impotent man. He can change water into wine. He can heal a nobleman's son. He can feed 5,000 people if he desires to. And yes, he can even walk on the water or calm the sea. And, and we find that the disciples are beginning to get a fuller idea of who they are dealing with, that he is truly the Christ of God. You know, when we travel through our lives and realize the many different things that we encounter, I trust one thing becomes more and more clear to you, that to trust in Jesus is not in any way a problem for you, but rather it is a great and wonderful thing to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is consistent, he is immutable, he is the unchanging God, 
He is the true Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We, in every way, God affirms within the believer's life that he is who he says he is. He is truly the Son of God and the Savior of the world and your and my personal Savior and that we can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, see, this, as basic as that sounds, this is what was being uh, communicated to the disciples. Um, you know, sometimes we look at the miracle and we make that the big thing when actually Jesus is the big thing. Jesus is the one who is power and authority over all things. He is the Son of God. He is truly the great physician. He is the one who is in control of the affairs of life. And he is worthy of our trust and uh, our worship and praise. And so, um, though Jesus sends the disciples away, he does so knowing very well where they are going and what is going to happen. Though Jesus is up in the mountain in prayer, it's not because he doesn't know the will of the Father. It is because he wants to have communion with the Father, that he might be strengthened in his, uh, in his journey, strengthened in what it is that the Father has in store for him in the future. And, uh, and now we find that Jesus comes to them walking upon on the waves, as it were. And he says to them, um, he saith unto them, it is I be not afraid. Now, you, you may take particular notice, well, where's Peter? Where, where's, uh, where's that account? Well, it seems like that's it. Matthew is the only one that seems to have that particular addition. Is uh, the, the, the account of Peter wanting to come to Christ out of the boat. Uh, but John doesn't see that as, as important here. And I think that's good that we take note of that too. Um, you know, each one of the disciples had their test. And uh, it appears Peter went through a couple of them. <laughs> Maybe it took him a little longer to get to the, the, uh, the heart of the issue. Um, but it seems like each one of the disciples had their little test. And uh, John didn't find it necessary to put it in here. And he says... The main point is Christ. Uh, we, we need to look at him and, and see just what he is trying to do here. And so he, he, says, I, he says, I am. It is I. It is I am. Be not afraid. And so here is God coming to them. Here is the Christ. Here is the Messiah. He's coming to them. And the disciples are on the boat. And even though they are somewhat fearful, uh, they should not be because Jesus is, is near unto them. And uh, we find that uh, they willingly receive him into the ship, of course. Uh, once they recognize that he is the Christ, uh, they willingly receive him into the ship, as it says in verse 20 and 21. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they went. Now, it's interesting in this particular account, um, one of the commentators made the observation that they didn't end up in Capernaum, and they didn't end up in Bethsaida, they ended up on the shore of the Gadarenes, Gennesareth. 
They didn't end up either place that the two of the Gospels named, um, which is interesting. <laughs> and maybe that tells us something too. The, the, the thing we think God wants us to do or what we're going to be doing isn't the thing that we will end up doing. <laughs> The thing that we end up doing or end up fulfilling is God's purposes. And, and that tells us something too, doesn't it? Uh, we should always be open to what God has in mind. His purpose in the whole thing. Um, and uh, our, our, our part in, uh, in, the, in the situation is to uh, follow the Lord wherever He leads us, and and that is what, of course, does take place here. Uh, we find that uh, the Lord Jesus uh, takes the disciples immediately to land after He He gets uh, gets off the water and into the boat. We find that immediately they end up to their proper destination. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whether he went, whether they went. So, so it is, uh, here they are, four miles out into the Sea of Galilee, uh, some, perhaps some two miles yet to go. Jesus is walking to them upon the water. Uh, they didn't recognize him immediately till he spoke to them, uh, which also brings up the issue we... The Lord, the Lord has to speak to us in order for us to recognize him and to do what he wants us to do. And so they, he speaks to them, they recognize him, uh, he gets into the boat with them, and immediately there, uh, another miracle has taken place. They have landed to, to the destination to which God purposed. All this is, I think these miracles are so practically wonderful to us if we just look at them from that practical viewpoint, uh, because they mean to teach us to trust in the Lord. They mean to teach us to trust in Him. And, and so they, uh, they find themselves on the land, and uh, as they do, uh, they are immediately where they need to be. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. So the multitude were a little bit confused about the whole issue. <laughs> but Jesus and his disciples... Uh, were together again, and his will was being carried out. I think that is the best thing we can hope for in our walk with Christ, that we know that we are with him, we know that he is leading us in the direction we need to go, and he purposes to do in our lives that which pleases him, and that is enough. So let us look to the Lord, shall we? and trust in him. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for these lessons that you give to us in your scripture. Thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, and that he is more than apt to do those things in our lives that will bring us with him and take us to a destination that he desires 
and that is truly his purpose and will. In Jesus' name, amen.